With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. the Los Angeles Lakers are just going to have to wait by way of a 104 to 100 win and the Oklahoma City Thunder a great start to this podcast guys the Oklahoma City Thunder forcing game seven with the Houston Rockets um nobody cares about the Lakers right now everyone's into this game seven in the west you got Denver, Utah, the Clippers are waiting on the winner there. You got Oklahoma City and Houston with the Lakers waiting on the winners there. Um, this was all about Chris Paul, if you ask me. I know you could make a make a case, and you should make a case for Gallinari, 25 points for him. But the two things that stand out for me on Chris Paul um, are 28 points and plus 20 with him on the floor. Um Craig, before we jump into completely breaking down this game and maybe looking ahead to game seven, let's take care of the most important thing that we can do right now. And that is you give everyone your Twitter handle because we always get cut off when it's your turn to share your Twitter <laughs> handle. Yes, always. Uh, Twitter, oh. at Craig Hofeld. I've been, I've been throwing out some good little comments here and there, I, I think, picking up some traction, so... All right, give me, well, you, a, give me a check out. You can follow Craig and Zach Thank both uh, both during the uh, Oklahoma City games. Zach is at the Thunder Guys on Twitter. Craig at Craig Hofeld. Okay, Zach, let's talk about Chris Paul. Twenty eight points plus twenty. Uh, no bigger performance. No no more important person on the floor than him tonight, right? Yeah, absolutely. Prior to the game tipping off, uh, I made a actually it was at the end of the Miami Heat game that was on right before the Thunder game. I uh, I commented about Jimmy Butler. He had come down the court and drained a three, and uh, immediately after that, Tyler Hero comes down and he hits a big shot, which is exactly what you'd love to see from a rookie in a big playoff game. And I made a comment about how when when veterans come down and they play with a gutsy confidence and they make big plays that gives the rookies that same type of confidence and, and they realize, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm riding with some guys that can make things happen. Maybe I can make things happen too. And so I said from the get go, if the thunder was going to win this game, it was going to ride on the shoulders of these veterans. And I'm obviously pointing to Chris Paul there. Uh, th th this team has made it this far on his shoulders. And I knew that if Oklahoma city was going to win this game, it was going to have to be, uh, with him making it happen. And in the first half, the Thunder was sticking around. Obviously, uh, Eric Gordon hits that three at the uh, at the buzzer. Ridiculous shot, by the way. Uh, to put them up by three headed into halftime. And all things considered, I was feeling good about the fact that we were only down three because I didn't think we were playing all that well uh, offensively in, in particularly. And I put that on Chris Paul's shoulders. The Rockets have done a great job of forcing the ball out of his hands all series long. And I feel like the Thunder's really played into that. Well, Chris Paul finally just kind of got sick of it, I guess, and started 
all right, well, this is my show. And he started putting up shots. He started getting guys involved. And the ball was moving so much better in the second half, especially there in the fourth. And uh, ultimately, that was the difference maker. And I'm, I'm just going to say right now, I think more of that is going to have to carry into game seven. Uh, he's going to have to lead the way again. Gallinari is going to have to lead the way again uh, in order to get a win in game seven. Yeah, you know, Craig, I um... – I, I agree with everything that Zach said about Chris Paul, which is why I took him in FanDuel. Um, and same, <laughs> you same. know, and, and when you look at when when you look at the the key parts that were missing in in that terrible Game Five loss, Gallinari, one of the one of the big components there, but really Chris Paul taking that that ownership as the scorer. Talk your thoughts about what you saw from Chris Paul tonight, and then you lead us in to Chris Paul's technical foul because I'm, I'm anxious to hear both of your guys' opinions on that because I'm pretty sure mine's going to disagree with yours. Yeah, uh, I mean, we all know what, what a great leader Chris Paul has been on this team, what, what he brings to the table. And you're right, it was missing in game five. I felt like, obviously, as the point guard, the, often, the problems on offense fall into his hands. The ball has to get moving. The ball has to land in the right places. And uh, the Thunder just had no offense in game five. but Taking over tonight, he said, I'm going to do it myself if I have to. But he did more than that. He was also facilitating, moving the ball around, setting up offense. Um, I, I liked the pace at which he played at, too. I felt like he knew when exactly to push the ball, when to slow it down and set up an offense. And uh, we, I think we talked about that after the game four win, maybe. And, and then that's the key is that the Thunder don't want to turn this into a transition type game, but I still feel like there are opportunities for the Thunder to capitalize in transition. And uh, I think that's, that that's what he did well tonight. And the technical foul. And the technical foul. So I actually, at the time, uh, I thought that it was a bad, like I didn't think it was a smart decision for him to, to put himself in a position to get the technical foul. Now, Obviously, upon replay, you can see that it was a charge. It was a warranted call. But in the moment, I realized he was heated, lost his cool a little bit. That being said, I don't see what much was different from the way that Houston complained all game long. I know he put his hands up, did the mm -hmm. air punch or whatever, and maybe that's what warranted it. But at the same time, I felt like it was a really quick whistle to what Houston has been allowed to get away with in this series as far as complaining to officials. But um, I, maybe that's what he needed because right after that, he turned the switch on and uh, the, the rest was history. Right. Now, Zach, I, I was looking at your face. For those of you that don't watch us on YouTube, if you're listening oh, – oh. by the way, we're on iHeartRadio now. If you're listening to us through other podcast platforms, you can't see Zach Lowe's face. You don't think it was a charge. I don't not think it was a charge. Okay. Uh, I, well, here's the deal. I I thought the call was questionable when it was made in real time. I saw the replay. It looks like – P.J. Tucker has been doing some – I'm, I'm going to try to be nice here and say questionable things during the last couple games. And I felt like he was on his way down before the contact ever got there. So, whether it was a, an authentic charge or not – I. I don't know. I, I, I honestly would have to go back and look at it again because I saw it in real time. I saw one replay, and my mind is saying it looks like he's falling, um, which he had a tough time staying on his feet tonight multiple times, including right. uh, that little form tackle he had on Steven Adams, which was just a regular foul call. Uh, just several, Anyways, we're not yeah, talking about 
that. So, uh, so to me, he, here's my issue with the technical foul. It was whistled because of the, the air punch. Right, right. And I, I understand that technical fouls now are called because of demonstrative behavior by players. I believe that's like the, the actual wording is the demonstrative behavior, which screams this is a subjective call. The refs can, can decide whether or not to make the call. So my problem is I don't see how an air punch is more demonstrative than jumping up and down like a toddler. I don't, I don't get that. I'm never going to get that. I, I see a single action versus a repeated behavior. P.J. Tucker has acted ridiculous. Eric Gordon has acted ridiculous. James Harden had a moment or two tonight where any one of them could have been called for a technical foul but they weren't. And then Chris Paul does one thing in a crucial moment in the game. He, he has a, a natural emotional reaction and you punish him for that. To me, that's just, it's, it's uneven officiating. And I, I don't care. I, I, I don't know if you guys know who Ben DeBo, Ben DeBo. We lose Zach or did we lose me? mixed in with that so for me it, it it was just not that the timing was terrible the the earn he I didn't feel like he earned it like I feel like if Chris Paul's gonna call for a technical he's gonna earn it I don't think he earned this one uh honestly and I, I feel like going into game seven if the refs aren't looking at Houston a little more closely with the way they behave in reacting to calls then I'm going to want to make an even bigger stink about it. Now, obviously, in the end, it ended up not costing the game or anything crazy like that. If anything, I think that just kind of turned up the heat for him because uh, it swung that swung the, the, the lead into Houston's direction. I think that was right, right after that. They went up 98-92, I believe. And then the Thunder goes on a 10-2 run uh, to finish things out. So, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe Chris Paul at that point had had enough. He needed that little – extra to turn it back up for him which was fine because he comes down and hits back-to-back threes and kind of leads the way the rest of the way so again it's not so much that he got called for a technical foul it's that like literally almost immediately after that Tucker starts jumping up and down like a toddler because of a call and he had been acting that way all game long so just if you're going to call these these little ticky-tack types of calls just do it Mm -hmm. or don't well okay so so, so three things real, real fast I want to throw out here on, on this topic. Uh, number one, um, this is a great opportunity to plug our YouTube channel, Heartland Sports on YouTube, because all these podcasts, the video from the podcast goes on the YouTube channel, and there you would get to watch Zach Lowe mimic <laughs> these, these motions, the temper tantrums and the air punches. They're all there on video for you to see. And I got, uh, the, I got the toddler jump one down pat because right. I've, seen, I've seen Tucker do it so many times this series, <laughs> and I have children of my own, so uh, say, it, just, it comes natural. I it's guess. almost like you're a father with small children. Yeah. Um, no, number two is the air punch has been a technical foul throughout it's across the board. I mean, my Clippers got stuck with that the other day. Uh, and I, I think it's, I, I agree. Porzingis with got one. Porzingis got one. I, I think, I, I think it's ridiculous. I, I think it's dumb, but 
I, it shouldn't be something that catches anybody off guard. It's, it's one of those things you know if you do that, you're getting a technical foul. Which brings me to point number three is that this was tactical for Chris Paul. He's the veteran. He's the leader. He saw this thing, momentum sl slipping away from Oklahoma City and moving towards the Houston bench. And I think Chris Paul, in frustration, absolutely frustrated, I think he did it on purpose. I think he knew it was going to be a technical foul. I think he did it to get everybody rallied. It was kind of the war cry, the final war cry, because if something didn't happen immediately to get all those guys rallied back and focused, this game was over. And so oh, yeah. I, I'm saying tactical move by Chris Paul, much in the same way you'll see a coach sometimes just beg and beg and beg for a technical foul so that the players that they they know hey coach has got our back coach is on our side coach wants us to pay attention that was a coaching veteran move by chris paul um and i'll go to my grave believing that because it's, it worked it's funny that you say coach is begging for one because last year during one of my jv basketball games i was begging for a technical foul and the official comes over and just in the nicest possible manner explains to me why the the particular call why he didn't make it and he was so nice about it I just I I said okay and I just turned around defeated because I've, I've never been given a technical foul and anybody that knows me knows I'm very passionate about sports I'm very passionate uh uh coaching protecting my players all of that and I was holding my marker and I'm like screaming and, and waving it and I turn around and I and my board is sitting on my chair and I just kind of daintily set it down because I can't even like throw it because he was so nice so it was just uh sometimes the refs just don't want to give it to you and other times they're more than ready to I guess my crowning moment as a JV basketball coach um I had no idea what I was doing by the way um <laughs> but one of my players I, I I honestly don't know what he did but the the referee was on him like so much so that like he called traveling on my kid and my kid didn't even have the basketball. And I mean, he, I, I don't know what he did to make the referee mad. I really didn't know, but I knew I needed to get that kid out of the game because until things cooled down. And so I, I sub him out and he's coming to the bench and he's like, coach, why are you taking me out? And I was like, cause I don't know what happened, but you are on the officials bad side. I don't know what you did. And I'm talking to my player and the official tech gave me a technical foul for that. Man, <laughs> so that's like, you I never think, know what they had for dinner that night or, you know, I, I don't know. Upset I think, stomach. I don't know if you were playing in that game or not, Craig, but uh, that was my all-time crowning Craig, moment. It was probably Craig. You probably said something he to the ref. No, no, Craig, hey, we're, we're digressing way off of this uh, Thunder <laughs> game. But Craig had a string. We were talking about this the other night at my house. Craig had a string of, like, his senior year, I think three consecutive games he got ejected or something along those lines <laughs> yeah. just for ridiculousness. Okay. Um, Chris Paul playing great. Uh, Gallinari playing great. Let, let me talk about Steven Adams for just a second. Steven Adams is the only starter for the Thunder tonight, not to score in double figures, but dude's pulling down 14 boards. And for some reason, Russell Westbrook can't figure out it's hard to shoot over Steven Adams. Um, <laughs> so I think he's doing – I'm okay with Steven Adams not being in double figures. Are you guys liking – because we, we've talked about – Earlier in this series, the Steven Adams factor is where does he fit in? I'm if, if this happens, 14 boards, a rim protector, and you get eight bonus points out of him, I, I'm completely fine with that. How, what about you, Craig? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, of the rebounds, nine of them were on offense. 
I mean, that's insane. And, and that turned into 11 second chance points for the Thunder. So um, while he may not be scoring in double digits, he's at least contributing in other ways. And that's what we talked about early on in this series, that if he's not going to be able to get involved in other ways, then what's the point of him being on the court, considering he is a little bit oversized and slow mm -hmm. for this matchup. But um, yeah, and being a rim protector on the other end, I, I thought he was phenomenal tonight. Um, I, I like, let's see, he played 31 minutes tonight. So that, that's quite a few. Um, but I still felt like he was used in the right situations. I like the way that uh, we threw in Nerlens Noel, played 16 minutes tonight. Um, I like the way that we went back and forth with that. And so, yeah, I mean, I'd still love to see Adams touch the ball a little bit more. Um, I felt like he, most of the time the ball was in his hand tonight, was off of those offensive rebounds. Um, but you watch him at certain times where he just turns around in the paint and just kind of shoots it over somebody. And you're like, why can't he do this every single time down the floor? And if not, at least create opportunities for others, but certainly liking what we're seeing out of Adams right now. Yeah, sorry. It's uh, it's I, it's ironic. Oklahoma City wins Game Six of this series, and it's thunderstorming right now in Oklahoma City. So if you heard my, if you heard my warning system go off on my phone, I apologize for that. I've got a big window right here, and all I can hear is the rain just <laughs> smacking um, into it it's, right now. It's just appropriate. It's appropriate for the situation. Zach, have your thoughts changed on Stephen Adams as this series moves on? Here's here's my problem is Craig Craig mentioned the offensive rebounds. He's done a fantastic job. The second game in a row, he's torn it up on the offensive boards. He had 14 total rebounds in game five. Eight of those were on the offensive end. And uh, let me check. Yeah, he only played 25 minutes in game five. Obviously, um, that, that was a blowout in his time that he was on the court. What didn't go super well. But my problem is he's pulling down all these offensive rebounds and he's kicking it out to wide open shooters and they're missing. And, that, and Houston loves that. They love seeing him work his tail end off to get nine offensive rebounds for 11 second chance points. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, like, we need to pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers. You know what I'm saying? Right. So uh, when it comes down to it, he, he's got to maybe go up with it every once in a while. And there at the end, he actually had a little bunny layup opportunity to put Oklahoma City up or tie the game. I can't remember. And he completely blew it. So he, he shot three for nine tonight. To, that's just not good enough for him. And, I, and, and I, if I'm being completely honest, he, he didn't shoot uh, a single free throw tonight, which is just unreal to me because he was getting punished. The Rockets do a, a few really times good job. Yeah. Oh, oh definitely. Uh, the Rockets do a great job at packing the paint every single time he even looks at the basketball but to me it's 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 still he he's he's got to figure out a way to get the ball to drop he had it he started off with a really nice uh finesse left hand bank shot layup I don't know what you want to call it uh but it was it was nice and I just thought maybe this could be a really good game for him and um I'd still like to see more scoring out of him because he's getting he's not quite getting all the looks that he should get like game one he had 13 attempts I'm, I'm seeing uh, was seven for 13, and that was the, the most that he shot. I'd like to see him in, in the 10 to 12 range, and he had eight game five, nine tonight. Uh, didn't obviously make a bunch of them tonight, so that was part of the problem. But if he's going to go through the work to pull them down and kick it out to open shooters, they could at least do him a solid and maybe not shoot a three every once in a while. Like they could, you know, 
he get a rebound and them cut to the basket. To me, that's just basketball one-on-one, but they're all totally content with chilling out around the perimeter. You got four, you know, the four stations, they're just waiting who's going to get a shot to throw up a brick. And uh, it's, it's really frustrating to see that we're still shooting a ton of threes. They toned it down a little bit in the second half. And, you know, thankfully Chris Paul hit some Gallinari started hitting some, but 12 for 36, that's still probably six too many attempts from Mm -hmm. downtown for me. And, um, Again, if I'm Steven Adams, I'm tired of getting beat up for and you know not having anything to show for it. He was he was really frustrated with some of the contact that he took tonight. About as angry as I've ever seen him, and he wanted to give a ref a piece of his mind, maybe a piece of his fist. I don't know, but Schroeder Schroeder talked him down and let him let him to the bench. So I, I feel like he's putting through the putting in the work. He's not quite getting the output that he w- we know he would like to have that we would like him to have. But when it when it, you boil it down to is his teammates need to step up and, and answer the call that he's he's putting out the effort and they're not answering, you know, w- with that same level of effort. They have to do something to match that. You know, I, it's interesting you bringing up that that moment with Dennis Schroeder when he when Adams was going to the, the official. I, I kind of feel like Schroeder made that a bigger deal than what it was going to be. I, I don't know that Adams was going over there to, to go ballistic on the official. I do think he was going to talk. And you, you see that happening quite a bit here in the bubble. But, you know, you see Chris Paul doing it a lot uh, in, on timeouts. And that was going into a timeout. And I, I kind of – I don't know what Schroeder was thinking. I don't know what Adams was thinking. I don't know. But if I'm the official, that becomes much more of an awkward situation for me than – have by having Schroeder come over and, and jump in on that. But that, that's just my two cents. I could have totally yeah. misread that situation, but I don't think Schroeder helped out there. Um, we're we're going to get into, at the end here, we're, we're going to get into keys for game seven, but one of those has to be a better performance by SGA. Uh, you know, if he has just an average yeah. game or, or better than average – this is, uh, I think Oklahoma City wins this a little bit more comfortably, but four of 11 from this floor and uh, 10 points total. Um, Zach, what, what, what are your thoughts here on SGA? I, I feel like it's good Oklahoma City can win without him because you had Chris Paul and you had Gallinari going. But, man, if you had all three of those guys in the starting five right. going, this game, uh, you know, I, I think it's a comfortable win. Yeah, so – for, I'll start with the positive here. I thought uh, for, for much of the series, I've been a super heavy critic of SGA's efforts on defense. He's been lazy. He's been incapable of keeping anybody in front of him. And he's just flat out been asleep. He's been back cut. He's not aware. He's not where he's supposed to be on rotations. It's been, I mean, it's, it's been pathetic for, for a guy that's supposed to be an NBA, you know, potential superstar someday, all-star at, at the very least. He, he's just not, not put forth the effort defensively and it's not been good enough for me. Uh, so tonight I thought he did a fantastic job. He had, he had to guard Harden for a little bit when Dort went out, he was, he was up against Russell Westbrook, a few possessions here and there. Uh, overall, he just, he did, he did a really solid job defensively. And, uh, Looking at his offensive numbers the last two games, I think the biggest problem for me is he's not getting enough shots. And I don't think that's – you know, a lot of people have made jokes. I don't think that's because Luguentz Dort has taken so many of, more away from him or anything like that, you know, fire, going off 0 for 9 from 3 in game 5. But I think he needs to do a better job at creating – uh, at creating shots for himself. Now, I, I do think he he's tried to get teammates involved. You look at the last four games, he's had six, six, four, and six assists. But the last two games, he's had eight and 11 field goal attempts, games two through uh, 
two, three, four, he was shooting 17, 18, and 17, and those were his best scoring games. Uh, and he's – I mean, the last two games, he's not been to the free throw line at all. And this is a problem I've had all season long is that he's just not been given uh, some of the calls that guys get, especially you, you think about James Harden, the types of calls that he gets versus the types of calls that uh, Shea obviously gets slighted on, I feel like. Uh, have cost him well he's just got to continue to be aggressive he, he's settled for the three ball way too much um even in the games where he shot the ball well uh he, he's shooting too many threes uh he, he hit a couple tonight and they were both really solid uh, and I think that's part of his ever expanding game but uh he's got to be more aggressive on offense and he's got to sometimes he does just have to go get his own bucket and I think that he's he's capable of doing that he's obviously sharing the ball so I don't think he's he's being selfish uh, if, if he tries to go get his own shot, he's got to do a little bit of that at some point. And going into game seven, I think he is, um, for, for me, behind Chris Paul, I think he might be the second most important guy when it comes to having a good game in order for us to get a win. Because obviously we proved tonight that we can win with him having a obviously less than, uh, less than average game for himself, only 10 points. He was the fifth leading scorer. Not, that, that's not good enough. We managed to pull it out tonight. I don't see that happening again uh, if he doesn't score at least his typical 20-ish points. Craig, I agree it's not good enough. I, uh, but to, to win knowing it wasn't good enough has got to make you – put you in a good – as a fan, you got to feel good about that. Yeah, absolutely. To me, he's been kind of the biggest question mark in this series. Um, we've seen him score nine points, four points, but then also have a game with 31 and 23. Uh, you never really know if he's going to show up on the offensive end or not. Um, moving forward in in this game seven, um, I, I'm with you. I think he, he is going to – the Thunder have struggled offensively to work as a team. You've seen Chris Paul have his moments. You've seen Schroeder have his moments. Gallinari have his moments. But like you said, if you could get all of those guys working together, um, really, that I mean, to me, that solves a lot of the problems in this series – um, I mean, this is you look at game two, whenever Houston started out the third quarter on a 16 to two run and then game five, where they started out with a 19 to two run that all falls back on the offensive end. Lots of missed shots. I feel like lazy shots um, from Shea from all of the guards. Um, I feel like you've got to find a way to get out of that little slump by moving the ball around. Like you said, Shea needs to be more aggressive attacking the rim. Um, if he does that in game seven, I like our chances. You know, and you mentioned that that third quarter. I had marked that down here on my notes as as one of the pivotal moments of the game tonight in that Oklahoma City outscored Houston 29 to 24 in the third quarter. Zach, you mentioned the the shot right before the half by Eric Gordon to just, again, just give him credit, ridiculous shot that, that went in that gives Houston a three-point advantage to start, you know, going into the half. And so then they have that mini run to start the third quarter. But Oklahoma City, you know, they, they gather themselves, they compose themselves, and then they go on and really kind of, in my opinion, that's when they really announced to Houston, hey, this is a dogfight. We're not giving you the third quarter. Uh, we're here toe-to-toe with you. And and I, I kind of saw Houston begin to, to back away a little bit. Wasn't a spectacular night for James Harden, but um, – one thing, actually, Craig, I'm going to go to you first on this because of the three of us, you're the most recent with an athletic career, okay? Uh, but um, you saw Lou Dort get in trouble, um, foul trouble, 
I, I love what Dennis Schroeder did. Just you could tell he was in James Harden's head. James Harden is going to make ridiculous shots. He, he is a world-class athlete, a world-class basketball player. He's going to make shots that just go, that's not fair. Shouldn't be able to make that shot. But Dennis Schroeder was, I mean, you, he was on a different level tonight with James Harden as far as the mental game. And then you, I saw that rub off on Chris Paul a little bit, which is usually vice versa. You think about Chris Paul's um, big shot there late in the, in the game, and then he turns around and gives Robert Covington uh, a pat on the, on the backside, like, hey, man, you did what you could, but I'm just in the zone right now. I, 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 I want to I hear your thoughts defensively, what Oklahoma City did. But I, I really starting with you, Craig, mentally, the mental aspect of this, it appeared to me as if Oklahoma City was in the head of the Houston Rockets. And does that bleed into game seven with an advantage? Yeah. So to me, that's kind of this team's style. The Thunder aren't going to come out and, and shoot lights out every single night. So they've got to find other ways to have the advantage. And like you said, the, the mental aspect of the game, I'm with you. I, I thought Schroeder did an excellent job tonight, always being there, bumping into him at random times. When when Harden tries to, you know, create space with, with the elbow or the little hook that he does when he's driving, Schroeder's right there every step of the way. And not only that, in between possessions, in between dead balls, same thing. Schroeder's right there talking to him. And, and I thought, like you said, Chris Paul, I, I made a comment to Zach tonight that they're going to make something about the dialogue, the trash talk that has been going on between Chris Paul and James Harden in this series. Uh, to me, that that's how the Thunder win this series mm -hmm. is by making it a, a gritty type game, um, a little bit physical. I and mean, we saw, we've seen that every game so far, the physicality. And I, I think Houston has, in, in the three games that they've won, they've shot their way through that. And, and then the other three, I think you've seen the Thunder, like you said, take that mental advantage. Houston kind of backing off a little bit. And now you got to be – there's no way Houston thought about losing this game tonight. I mean, there, no doubt they were going to close it out in their minds. You even had the beginning of the game, the TNT guys talking about the matchup between uh, the Lakers and Houston. All of that to be said, the Thunder come out and, like, like you said, dominate physically, mentally, and that's how they win the game. And I do think that carries over into game seven because of the fact that Houston was not expecting to lose this game, was not planning on that. Now they got to kind of say, wait a minute, this is still a series. Do they hit the panic button? Does the, does the right. Thunder now hold – do they have the momentum now? And without that game seven being in Houston for home court advantage, I mean, that th this is going to be a, a wild game seven because there is no true home court advantage. Yeah, Oklahoma City has won three of the last four games in this series, which is something to think about as well. Okay, so we got our 10-minute warning about two minutes ago, so I'm going to speed us up here. Um, Zach. Lou Dort got in trouble. Offense seemed to just function with Lou Dort off the court. Um, how much give and take there? How much Lou Dort do you want to see when you, when you think about the, the defensive uh, advantage you get, but the offensive liability, you, more or less of Dort in game seven? Well, here's the thing. I think D'Antoni's done a really good job for Houston with adjusting to what mm -hmm. Dort has done defensively on James Harden. Uh, games uh, four or five were very different for Luquin Stewart guarding James Harden. Harden was just active differently on the offensive end and able to still score. So it's not that Dort has done a bad job. It's just it's been different for sure. So whenever he, he picked up his third foul and he went out, obviously it's a concern. 
the offense started clicking, but I think the offense clicking was a result of the defense stepping it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we mentioned Shea Gillis Alexander, mentioned Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder was not just getting in Harden's head, he was getting in his space. He right. was playing good defense. He was solid, stayed in front of him, took that offensive foul, wasn't backing down. Schroeder played some of the best defense I've ever seen him play, I felt mm-hmm. like tonight. And Here's the thing. Whenever you have those guys that aren't usually playing good defense and they step up, it's kind of like it, it pushes the envelope for everybody to do that. With When you've got a stopper like Dort, it's almost like everybody else kind of relaxes. He's going to handle hard. He's going he's gonna to step it up. We don't have to do as much. Well, he goes out, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, crap. If he's gone, who's going to do it? Well, it's got to be everybody. Mm-hmm. And they all kind of rose to the challenge, and I think that was kind of the tail of the tape for the, this entire game. It was just one guy after another rising to the challenge to, to do whatever it was. Chris Paul in the fourth quarter rising to the challenge to score whenever the Thunder needed. Uh, you've, you've got the guards who aren't really great defensively. Shea Gillis-Alexander, uh, Dennis Schroeder, those guys aren't great defenders on a normal night, but they rose to the challenge tonight, and they did exactly that. And, and, and to me, that's, that's enough. If they can continue that, then maybe if Dort's not feeling on offense, he doesn't have to be on the court every single second that James Harden is. Now, I'm not saying pull him out because obviously he's done it. You're not going to stop Harden altogether, okay? Mm-hmm. Held, him to 30, held him to 32 points, but he was three for 11 from three. If Dort shooting three for 11, we're talking about it. Right. Well, guess what? Dort was two for six. He shot a better percentage than James Harden did tonight. You're yeah. not going to hear anybody slandering Harden about it, though. You're not going to hear anybody talking about the fact that, that Dort, Schroeder, and Shea were all contesting threes without fouling. I think I saw Schroeder. Schroeder he, he contested three, maybe four of Harden's threes without fouling. Might I add, without fouling. That's something we've not seen from Thunder guards like ever not fouling on three-point attempts. And they've done a great job at contesting without fouling. If we can continue to do that, then maybe Dort doesn't have to be on the court so much. I'm not saying take him out, but if we need offense, mm-hmm. I can trust Schroeder to come in for him, and we can run that three-point guard death lineup that we love so much. We can run that and still play some level of defense. Yeah, James Harden, 32 points uh, tonight. You mentioned that, Zach. And I think Oklahoma City is okay with that because it's the other guys that you don't want to beat you. Um, And one of those other guys, Craig, real fast, Russell Westbrook. I thought Russ was everything Oklahoma City wanted him to be tonight. He did score 17 points, but you you look at it. I mean, I hate to say this because I know you guys are big fans, but it's typical playoff Russ. It's poor shot selection, and then seven turnovers were crucial, including that final turnover – um, near the end of the game that kind of iced it for the Thunder. What version of Russell are you expecting in game seven, Craig? You're, you're bigger on him than, than I am. Yeah, um, to be honest with you, I'd probably expect um, a little more timid Russ in game seven. Either that or he's going to look to drive into the basket more. I felt like in the first half, that's why he had the success that he had on offense. You saw him in the second half start trying to settle for those threes, uh, the pull-ups in transition. And the turnovers, I mean, he was – some of the passes he made tonight were just bad. And, and wide they were straight out of bounds. Too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and a lot of that is probably because he's not been playing. But uh, I think that certainly plays into the Thunder's advantage, no doubt about it. Okay, we got three minutes. Zach, give me a couple of keys uh, for game seven. And also talk to me real fast about Baisley. Do you want to see him more on the floor? Uh, he gave some impressive minutes. I feel like every time he's on the floor, he plays with confidence. He plays with a sense of urgency. He doesn't back down. I love seeing him defend Russell Westbrook. Those two guys were chirping back in January, I think it was. They got into a little bit, and 
he, he just doesn't back down. He's not afraid of a challenge. And I don't know if, you know, maybe he took some sort of uh, self-confidence classes during his interning time at New Balance or whatever, but he's just, he's not afraid. And he plays with that confidence. He hits big shots. He's not afraid to take good shots. And he does that. So I definitely feel like he, he has a spot uh, earning a few more minutes whenever. I still want to see small ball. I still want to see the three-point guards, Gallinari and Baisley. I don't know if we use that lineup at all. It's like a five that I dream of. I think if it comes down to it, we need to do that. Uh, for me, the key to winning game seven is Chris Paul and Shea Gildas-Alexander both need to have great games. And Gallinari has to hit shots. Mm -hmm. He finally did that for some of tonight's game. He's been pretty absent for most of the series. Uh, he kind of disappeared there in the end. I think he finally hit another shot at some point in the fourth quarter. He's got to consistently be a threat. The, the Rockets have to, have to be worried about him. He needs to be active. Craig, I agree with uh, especially the part about Gallinari. Uh, your thoughts on game seven and what the Thunder need to do to take this series. Yeah, I mean, I feel like obviously you've got to have scoring from from your typical guys, Shea, Chris Paul, Gallinari. Um, but that all comes into with the rhythm on offense. And I think I keep talking about how bad the offense have been, has been rhythm-wise. To me, a big factor in that is Lou Dort. And we've talked about him defensively, what he brings to the game. But he's been missing some bad open shots. And tonight he was a lot better. I'll tell you what, if he can get 13 points shooting 50, 56% from the field, I like the Thunder's chances in game seven. Um, I, I, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but when he made that first three, it was right after a drive to the basket for a layup. Mm -hmm. Let's try to get him on a backdoor cut, see that ball go through the basket, get him into a rhythm that way, because they're going to leave him open. He's going to have right. that shot. All and he looks good when he drives. He yeah, Absolutely. yeah, for sure. And, and I, to me, that's the big key. Uh, earlier you talked about Adams kicking it back out. Why does he keep kicking it back out? The Rockets are clogging up the paint. They're sending four or five guys in there as soon as Adams touches the ball. So those guards really have to make the shots when the opportunity is there. Okay, heartland-sports.com. Heartland-sports.com is where you can find uh, the content from Zach and Craig, pregame, postgame. It's all going to be there on Wednesday. Uh, we're in our final minute real fast. Game seven, Craig. Uh, nuggets or Jazz? I got to go Nuggets. I think they're going to pull, pull it off. Zach, the Nuggets seem to have taken the momentum back. Do they get game seven? I think they do. I think Donovan Mitchell might be the best player in the series, but I think Jamal Murray and uh, Jokic, I think they have better chemistry, and I think that's going to be enough for them to pull it out. All right. Well, I want Utah to win because that's who I want my Clippers to play. That's going to wrap it up. <laughs> uh, game, <laughs> game seven, Wednesday night. We'll be back. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.